ESPN Radio Sports Center. Good afternoon, I'm Bob Picozzi. They have only four quarterbacks on their roster. Two of them have never played in an NFL game. And a third, Kellen Moore, broke his ankle yesterday in practice. So who will back up Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo? ESPN's Ed Werder is reporting that Dallas will consider Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, and Josh McCown. This is the Dolphins' first training camp under new head coach Adam Gaze. Jarvis Landry was fourth in the NFL in receptions last season with 110. He says Gaze has made quite a first impression. Everything from the attitude to, you know, the whole morale of the team. You know, the way that he carries himself, the way that he expects guys to be around the building. You know, the way he expects guys to practice and, you know, learn the offense. Gaze was the offensive coordinator in Chicago last season and in Denver in the two previous seasons. Longtime ESPN NFL analyst Tom Jackson is retiring after 29 years. He'll be involved in ESPN's live coverage of Saturday's Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions. And that will be his final assignment. Want cash back at Costco Sam's Club and BJ's today? Use your Bank AmeriCard Cash Rewards Visa credit card and earn 2% cash back at wholesale clubs. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash get cash back. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. The calendar says August, which means life is good. We are closer each and every day to the start of the 2016 college football season. Tom and KJ with you. KJ, how goes it? Goes well. Goes well. You're a little under the weather today, Tom. A little under the weather, but I wasn't going to let that cat out of the bag. I'm, you know, I'm sucking it up, taking one for the team. Now, this is a good show today uh, because of what you and I were privileged enough to do last week, and that is uh, we sat down with Coach Bobby Bowden for probably about an hour or so over at his house and uh, just put a recorder there and had a, a conversation, kind of walked down memory lane. Sat around and talked. Hilarious. Coach Bowden gets up, answers the door, and uh, he goes, let me go get dressed. I said, Coach, this is radio. He says, ah, well, let me go get put something on. So he goes goes upstairs and puts on a shirt. Puts on a blazer. And puts on a blazer and comes back down and is barefooted. <laughs> He's barefooted with a blazer on. It's just typical Bowden. And then we'd finish the interview and he says, yeah, I guess I didn't need the blazer. <laughs> I, I will say, though, and uh, I, I was curious. I haven't had a lot of interaction with Bobby the last couple of years. I was curious how sharp his, his uh, memory and intellect would be. It's sharp as a tack. No, no I downside mean, it, there. It, it, it was it was right on point. Uh, so you, you'll enjoy that conversation. And uh, we we divided it up into four segments, and we're going to play two of those today and two of them next week. So they're coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, for for longtime Seminoles, uh, even for longtime Seminoles, I think there'll be a couple of things in there that you probably haven't heard before. And for the younger set that came along, uh, you know, maybe when Bobby was past his prime or not even coaching anymore. Do yourself a favor and listen to this, and then and then compare it to uh, you can say Jimbo or any other coach on the landscape right now, and you'll get a feel for why he was so uh, appreciated and loved by the media. He's just different than what you get in terms of all the coach speak nowadays. He is old school, and and, and it won't be replicated. So uh, we need to hang on to him for as long as we can, because there there will not be others like him. By the way, he turns eighty seven later this year, eighty seven, and he's still uh, that's in November, and he's still. Uh, still going strong out on the speaking circuit and all that. And, we'll, again, we'll talk about that with Coach Bowden in a little bit. Uh, now, he is a big reason why that uh, when you look at the AP 
all-time college football rankings that were released yesterday. A list of the top 100 programs, and what they did is they went back. Uh, they 80 a, years? Did they go back 80 years? Yeah, I guess to 36 yep. when they started the AP poll. And they had a formula, and you got points for years this, in the that poll. that, and the other. Years being number one, uh, championships. And they figured out who are the top 100 programs. And Florida State came in ninth. And there's a lot of, which is amazing when you consider Florida State, for starters, the poll started in 36, and Florida State started playing football in 47. But beyond that, Florida State wasn't ranked in an AP poll until 1964. And basically the entire rest of the top 25. Forever. The latest they were ranked was the year 1950, and that was both Florida and Miami. Everybody else was 1944, mid-40s or earlier. So point is, as as we know around here, Florida State's been pretty doggone good in football. But when you see it something like that and consider it how much of a disadvantage Florida State was from a number standpoint, and you even did some more math on it. Well, I, I went back and took 36 to 47, that, that what, 11 to 12-year period. And I said if Florida State had done what they had averaged from 1947 through 2016, 2015, since the 2016 is not out, and gave them that incremental amount of points – uh, Florida State would have run up to like number seven. It wouldn't have taken them to the first. But someone else made the argument, and I haven't done the numbers because I'm lazy. <laughs> if you go, let's just pick 1970, 1970 to present, recognizing that the first five or six years of the 70s, Florida State sucks. Coach Bowden will even talk about it in, in one of our interviews where they're 0 and 11. And, and I don't think and he one used win. that word, though. Uh, yes, he did not use that word. <laughs> but if you just go 1970, I think if you ran the numbers – uh, using the same formula, but starting in 70 and going forward, Florida State might be number two or number three mathematically. And I think that just speaks to how strong the program has been, particularly as was pointed out in a great article in the Democrat uh, this morning uh, by what's that little ball holder guy's name? Uh, Corey. Yeah, Corey Clark, I think, as it goes by. Um, that uh, the, the, the 90s and, of course, the dynasty that Florida State was recognized by the NCAA for that 14-year period where they were top four finishes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty remarkable run for a pretty young institution. Yeah, well, they were ranked every year in the 90s and I think never lower than 11th or Correct. something like that, which is remarkable. The thing I saw, and we'll wrap this up and get to Tim Linefelt, their Seminoles.com insider in our next segment, uh, it made me look at how many weeks schools have been number one. And if you look at that list, Florida State is sixth on that list with 72 weeks all time at number one. And Alabama is fifth at 74. So think about those two programs and the fact that if Florida State this year, you know, winds up being number one for a little bit. Well, in, in, in future years could, could pass Alabama on that list. It's pretty remarkable. Well, not only that, Corey pointed out, if you looked at, and I forget the exact schools, but like LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, and somebody else. Florida State's been ranked number one more than them oh, combined. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Bottom line, it's been it's been a good run. So it was interesting. If you haven't seen it, take a look. The AP's uh, top 100 teams of all time. Uh, Madison Social is on uh, everybody's top 100 list, probably on the top two list. Maybe uh, maybe it's just a one-watering-hole uh, one list. Un- but, undefeated at Doak. One thing I saw, as, as I'll remind you, and, and they're uh, kind enough to, to be supporters of our program here each and every week, happy hours nightly, 4 to 7. I did see that they got it worked out that they're going to have viewing parties on uh, Tuesday nights for the Showtime series uh, for Florida State. So uh, if you'd prefer to watch it in that setting. Or if you, don't have ac- if you don't have access to Showtime like some of us don't. Yeah, there you go. There's your, there's your workaround. All right, we'll come back and get to Tim Linefeld, our Seminoles.com insider. We are just getting warmed up on what should be a very, very good edition of The Front Row.
It's the Wakulla Report, a quick take on news and events in and around Wakulla. Brought to you locally by Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, and Crawfordville. If it's important to you, it's important to us. Congratulations to Wakulla High freshman Emory Maine, who was recently selected as a 6A honorable mention for Miracle Sports 2016 All-State Softball Team. On Saturday, August 13th, the Sop Choppy Volunteer Fire Department presents the 5th annual Sop Choppy Mud Run, a series of obstacles for individuals and teams stretched over a 5K trail. The fun starts at 9.30 a.m. at Sop Choppy Park. For details and to register, log on to SopChoppyMudRun.com. This has been the Wakala Report brought to you by your friends at Prime Meridian Bank. Personal service, local decision making, Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, or on the web at TryMyBank.com. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Hey folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Due to the huge success, Chevrolet is holding over new car specials through the 4th of July. Save up to $8,000 on an all-new 2016 Chevy Impala. Looking for great fuel economy and technology bundled together in one package? Get a new 2016 Chevy Spark for just $13,300 or a new 2016 Chevy Sonic for just $14,200. At Hobson, we just make it easy. Come in for our 4th of July blowout sale or check us out on the web at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your next Chevrolet the Hobson way. You are listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to The Front Row. Time now for our Seminoles.com Insider Report with our Seminoles.com Insider, Tim Linnefelt. And I should point out, and this is very germane at this point on the calendar, that Seminoles.com is the only place to catch Jimbo Fisher's post-game press conference live after each and every game. Also, his uh, usual Monday press conferences, although I think his first one, is it Tuesday next Tuesday. week? Tuesday night. That's right, yeah. Tuesday. Coincide with the first day of camp. So, Tim, it's Which, actually, you know, it's it, you have to go back to work now. I mean, football season yeah. started. You've been goofing off all summer. Now you got to do some work, right? Yeah, by, by, uh, by this time next week, we will have seen that first press conference. That's true. And uh, do you ex- expect anything earth-shattering to come out of said first press conference? Oh, I guess that depends on your definition of earth-shattering, but by uh, by most measures, I would say probably not. One thing that is or got out of the bag, so to speak, the last couple of weeks is that Derwin James is not 100%. So what's the update on him? I think he's going to be all right. I, uh, I'll i be honest with you. I actually have uh, have been out uh, the last few days. I've been I've been moving. I haven't just been uh, been lollygagging around. I've been trying to get all, of, all my ducks in a row before the season starts. But from what I've been able to gather, uh, yeah, he'll be all right. Should be uh, should be available uh, at least for the old Miss game if he's a little limited uh, early on in camp. That shouldn't be anything to be too uh, too worried about. But uh, but nothing serious, uh, and should be just fine come September. One of the reports I read said he'd be limited the first week and be held out of contact the second week and be full go third week of camp. So there you go. And you know those timelines uh, can 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 kind of shift a little bit in any other direction. But the the overall uh, arc there, I think, is that nothing to be. Nothing to keep yourself up at night over. He'll be fine for uh, for the season. Well, the uh, Fisher loose lips sink ships mantra uh, was certainly in full glory because I'm pretty sure that Derwin had had his surgery prior to ACC kickoff, and I think Jimbo was probably asked a timer as coach uh, as uh, as uh, Tom likes to talk about a timer twelve thousand. Uh, about Jerwin James during the time in Charlotte, and not nary a word is said about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody uh, nobody asked if uh, if he had had any uh, in- injuries or minor surgeries or anything. So that's, uh, that's just the way that goes. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, make a note. We need to start asking. We have a list of everybody. questions to ask. Everybody, when you bring up any players, so is, is he is he injured? No. Okay. <laughs> Other news, uh, you know, Keith and I in the first segment talked a little bit about the uh, all-time top 100 AP list in Florida State coming in ninth. Uh, anything jump out at you about that list uh, when you when you looked at it? Well, the first thing that you uh, you notice, I at least think from a Florida State perspective, and if you're a Florida State fan, is that uh, Florida State is number nine, Florida was number 10, and Miami number 13, which, uh, you know, it goes to show you another metric that the Florida State rates is the best football program in the state of Florida. Now, obviously, they're all pretty close, and you know, others will uh, will argue. Certainly, Miami will, will will hold up its its argument of the the five national championships compared to three each for Florida State and Florida. But you know, when you take into account uh, really the the run uh, in the '90s that Florida State had, and I think that was probably the the feather in Florida State's cap in the criteria for those rankings. Uh, it really kind of just goes as another reminder of just how incredibly dominant that program was. Uh, through the late 80s and, and, and into the 1990s. Tim, switching sports, uh, the soccer team comes out, not surprisingly, pretty high on the uh, preseason list and about as high as you can get, as a matter of fact. Preseason number one for Coach K and his uh, and his Knowles. Yeah, yeah, and, and really I think that should be expected. It's uh, Over the last few years, especially if you if you remove football from the equation, uh, soccer has probably been the, the most consistently elite program on campus uh, with the national title uh, a couple years ago, uh, multiple college cup appearances. Uh, consistently, they're, they're one of the you know two to four best programs in the nation. Uh, you have Megan Connolly back, who was an All-American freshman last year from Ireland. Uh, she's back um, uh, for her sophomore season. And then, you know, Mark's the kind of guy, you, you, I, I talked to him over uh, in the spring uh, while I was having to run into him, and I said, hey, you know, you got anybody coming in that you like, and any, any freshmen that that you're uh, that you think have a chance? And he just sort of gets this sort of captain swallowed the canary grin and says, "Yeah, yeah, we got some that we like." Uh, and he likes to play things pretty close to the vest. Their season's coming up pretty soon. They actually started practice today. Uh, we'll begin uh, their season. I think uh, I want to say the 19th is their first game uh, at Texas A&M. So soccer season gets going really quick. They actually you know, start a few weeks before football season and, and go into November and early December. So. Uh, and, and you know when, when soccer starts, I also think you know as much as we get excited about the uh, the, the start of football camp, which which is coming soon. When soccer season for me, when that starts, it really tells you that the fall sports season uh, is here because those you know those are regular season games. It almost seems like they're it's too soon for for FSU to be playing regular season games in any sports, but uh, but soccer starts pretty early. Speaking of camps, football kids report the eighth. First practice is the ninth, and then uh, fan day is Sunday the fourteenth. Uh, so, and uh, Jimbo's going to open up practice again, I'm told. Yeah, it's uh, been kind of an annual tradition, a lot of fun to get to see. And, and you know, I also wonder, it would be the first chance for a lot of folks to get in there and see, you know, the, the, the progress of the stadium. You've seen some, some photos and some videos and that sort of thing. But to actually get in there and see the, uh, the, the, the rooftop terrace and the new seats and all that kind of stuff. I go up there, you know, a couple times a week and just look out the window on the fourth floor and see the progress it made and it looks really really cool i gotta be honest i you know i when i when i announced the project you know it all sounds like so far away you're thinking oh, okay that'll be that'll be neat and then you, you finally see what it actually looks like and, and how much it brings in the stadium i think and, and moves that south end zone closer to the field uh, it's going to be a, a pretty neat experience i think people are going to be uh pretty impressed by that but yeah the open practice is always a lot of fun it's about, usually about 115 degrees out there but uh but anytime Very enjoyable Oh, exactly. And then, you know, not, not, well, maybe a little bit more shade uh, this time, you know, now in the stadium than there was before, maybe a little bit. But, uh, but anytime there's a quarterback competition, which we, you know, we'll have at Florida State this year, uh, you're going to get a lot of turnout for that sort of thing. People want to see, 
you know, who's, who's in the mix, who's throwing, uh, who's throwing better than the other guys, if, if that's even discernible, and, and kind of formulate their own opinions. I think one of the things that also is going to be interesting, because I was in on a conversation probably 16, 18 months ago with Jerry Coots from the Boosters, and, and the topic was the spears, the, the, the rods that go out from, uh, from the, uh, what will be the new end zone, and how they were making those and contemplating putting those together. And there's all of us that go all the way back to, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the meter that we used to have to, to – uh, uh, the spirit uh, spirit spear, the applause meter with all the lights on it. There's a everything. lot of people that want that to come back. I hear, I hear. But there's, I, a, there's I, a message board post somewhere right now asking for the return of the spirit spirit spear. spear. But anyway, my point being, based on what I've seen, the the new spears look cool, and I'm interested to see what fan reaction is. I, I think it looks really really nice. I'll tell yeah, you, yeah, they do look cool, and, and you know, they get like the different, uh, like the the way the the sun kind of re- reflects in the in the glass of the spears and the the uh, the, the arrowheads or what have you uh, it, it does look pretty neat what i was going to say is there's all this talk about inside and rightfully so but i think one of the things that looks really cool is that the double elevator towers that have gone up outside that have changed the way the stadium looks as you approach it you know if you're standing by the unconquered Makes statue that new unconquered statue and the backdrop and everything a lot, a lot, lot more pictures to be made or a lot more pictures to be taken under that new uh, new backdrop no question and you know it's kind of impressive and not to just you know keep on harping on this but the way the uh, they were able to get the the bricks to match the rest of the stadium you know i mean the, the that, that brick structure uh that was there previously is you know it's pushing i guess 20 years old so the fact that they were actually able to, to get bricks that that look like they've been there for the same amount of time as the, as the rest of the stadium doesn't look out of place or look like a you know an afterthought i thought was a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good development to see kind of thing you don't think about until you see it you know yeah bottom line it's exciting it's uh, going to be a new experience and a new look to uh to doe campbell tim Good to talk to you as always. Uh, the conversations will be uh, fast and furious here in coming weeks as we'll have well, actual on the about. on the field uh, uh, reports to discuss. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. He's our uh, Seminoles dot com insider, Tim Linnefelt, and uh, he's as, fixing to get busy. As somebody who's moved in Tallahassee twice at this point on the calendar, I I really feel for him right now for for moving well, on August third. You're looking at a guy, and our listeners didn't ask him. I'll tell you anyway finally lived in a house long enough to have to replace the roof. I've never done that before in my life. I've now lived in a house long enough that I had to replace the roof. Congratulations. It's a milestone. <laughs> All right. Speaking of milestones, the guy we're going to talk to next uh, hit just a few during his uh, storied career. Bobby Bowden, a conversation with Keith and I is coming up here on the front row. Instead of trying to follow 140 character tweets or waiting until Sunday morning to read bits and pieces of what head coach Jimbo Fisher said in his post-game press conference, why not watch the entire press conference live and free on your desktop, laptop, tablet, or smartphone? Only Seminoles.com and the Seminoles.com app bring you Jimbo Fisher live following every home game. No tweets, no wait, all Jimbo. Five days only. It's a 4th of July sale. Biggest sale of the year. Only in Cairo, Georgia, and only at Hobson Chevrolet Buick. I'm Bob Hobson, and now's the time to buy. Save up to 20% off MSRP on selected models. Get more for your trade-in, and get the best financing anywhere. 
Get your best deal the first time. You won't get a better deal or be treated better than right here in Cairo, Georgia, a hospitality city. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your new Chevrolet the Hobson way. ESPN Radio Sports Center. Good afternoon, I'm Bob Picozzi. They have only four quarterbacks on their roster. Two of them have never played in an NFL game. And a third, Kellen Moore, broke his ankle yesterday in practice. So who will back up Cowboys quarterback Tony Romo? ESPN's Ed Werder is reporting that Dallas will consider Nick Foles, Mike Glennon, and Josh McCown. This is the Dolphins' first training camp under new head coach Adam Gaze. Jarvis Landry was fourth in the NFL in receptions last season with 110. He says Gaze has made quite a first impression. Everything from the attitude to, you know, the whole morale of the team. You know, the way that he carries himself, the way that he expects guys to be around the building. You know, the way he expects guys to practice and, you know, learn the offense. Gaze was the offensive coordinator in Chicago last season and in Denver in the two previous seasons. Longtime ESPN NFL analyst Tom Jackson is retiring after 29 years. He'll be involved in ESPN's live coverage of Saturday's Pro Football Hall of Fame inductions, and that will be his final assignment. Want cash back at Costco Sam's Club and BJ's today? Use your Bank AmeriCard Cash Rewards Visa credit card and earn 2% cash back at wholesale clubs. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash get cash back. Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Back on the front row, and uh, I know you folks are going to enjoy the conversation that we'll have here for you shortly. Keith and I sat down with uh, Coach Bobby Bowden last week at his house, uh, and literally, if it sounds like uh, three guys around a dining room table having a conversation, that's exactly what it was, three guys uh, around the dining room table at Coach Bowden's house. Keith, you uh, obviously played for Bobby very early in his tenure here. Do you have a, a recollection of when you first met him or maybe what resonated uh, the first meeting I had with him was in his office with my mom and dad when I made my official visit. Uh, the Most of the official visits were done during the fall in those days. So we had played a high school game the Friday night before, and mom and, and dad and I got in the car and drove to Tallahassee and had our, our meeting with Coach Bowden. And I remember walking out and my mom turning to my dad and saying, okay, that's settled. <laughs> and it really was true though it wasn't in my living room or in my mom's kitchen or our dining room but coach Bowden won over the mom first and everything else fell in place here's uh we're gonna play this interview uh two parts today and two parts next week so there's about 30 minutes of this interview that'll come your way uh starting right now so enjoy coach it's good to see you how are you fine doing good Still hitting the golf ball around? Yeah, you know I play. I play about once a week, but uh, if I don't have to be out of town, I'll go out and hit balls. That's about the only condition that I get. Are you hitting them well? I hit them straight; <laughs> they don't go anywhere. <laughs> How much are you in and out of town these days? Yes, I spoke in Tallahassee, and tomorrow I've got to speak at a high school. And the Saturday I'll speak down in St. Pete. I'm speaking two or three times a week. 
a lot of your travels, Coach, are, are nationwide, though. You're not just, just Florida anymore. No, that's right. No, it's, it's nationwide. I'm in, I'm in two or three national speaking organizations, and they get talks. Like people want a speaker, and they call them, and they call me. So I go wherever they send me. Coach, it's been 40 year, 39 years since you and I first met. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about and, and uh, was curious to t just to pick your brain is I remember getting a letter uh, before my freshman year. It uh, told me uh, no earrings, uh, no visible tattoos, uh, <laughs> no facial hair. Uh, my hair could not flip out from underneath my helmet. Uh, I need to pay attention to what my mom and dad said and come to camp in shape because <laughs> camp was not where you were going to get in shape. You better be in shape be when you there. get there. Oh, yeah. Um, we fast forward now. Times have changed a little, have oh, yeah. they not? Yeah. Styles change, you know, and uh, naturally the way you dress has changed. But, uh, gosh, yeah, we used to have, can't have any kind of facial hair. You can't have a mustache, can't have a beard. And like you said, you, you, you can't let your hair come out of your helmet, you know, and uh, things like that. And, uh, of course, that's really changed now. Coach Discipline, um, you've always thought your, your boys were your boys when they were under your care. Yeah. Uh, in today's environment with uh, social media and all the attention, the 24-7 news it's hard for a coach to do much with his kids. Plus, you only get 20 hours a week. Yeah. That was yeah. the tail end of your career. That that, yeah. that limitation came yeah. in the tail end of your career. How did that change what you did? Well, they, they just, you know, they, they kept restricting the coaches more and more just in football. You know, can't coach, you can't be with them but 20 hours a week. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. And uh, you, you, it means you had to be super organized to get done what you wanted to, to get done. Did you ever feel like some kids got away from you that maybe you could have had a better influence on if you'd have just had some more time with them? You know, since when we recruited you back in the 70s, you know, then NCAA says uh, you can only work with them this long. Uh, we're taking away your training table. We're taking away your dormitory. And, buddy, it, you, know, you take, if you got your football team in a dormitory like we had when you were there, we knew where you were. If we said 10 o'clock curfew, we knew you better be there at 10. Now, now your kids are all over town in a lot of the cases, you know, and uh, it, it was, it's much, much harder to keep up with them. I remember, you may have forgotten, but I remember um, I had a couple of my boys, my buddies, that got caught with too many ducks. They went duck hunting, and they had killed too many ducks. Uh, that's a federal offense that in today's environment would be an automatic suspension. Uh, and back then, it was five days of stadiums yeah. at Doak Campbell because you had too many ducks. Uh -huh. um, the world has changed a little bit. The world, when I first started coaching, which would have been back in the 50s, uh, you didn't have all the media coverage that you have now. Uh, back then, if one of your boys got into trouble, it's more likely the police would call you and say, hey, we got one of your boys down here, and he, he did this or that or this. I said, okay, I'll be right down to get him. And that's as far as that would go. Now, then I would take him back and discipline him, maybe make him run the stadium steps 
four or five times a week at five o'clock in the morning or things like that. But now then, when a boy gets in trouble, how do you find out? You pick up the paper the next morning and you read read about it. And it's already out of your hands, you know. It's, it, it Times have changed. I've always wondered, Coach, and this is sort of my two cents on it, but to me, and I won't name names, but when you have a student athlete that was a really good student in the classroom, good representative in the community, the story would sort of go, well, he had a good upbringing, came from a good family. But when you had a kid that got in some trouble, well, then it was the coach's fault because he wasn't keeping him in line. Oh, and, and this isn't unique to you. This is yeah. just sort of the way the media so it is. It's the way it is. Does that ever bother you? Uh, yeah, it did uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I think the thing that coaches hate the most is to be accused of something they did, really didn't do. You know, like, like you say, blame, blaming a coach because a young man did this. Now, maybe he came from, from no family, no mama, no daddy, you know, and there wasn't discipline coming up, and he doesn't know any better. I always felt like if I can keep him for four years, I can get him straightened out. You know what? And, uh, and you know, our, our kids turned out pretty good. How many of them do you keep in touch with now? I mean, uh, you have quite a few players come through from all yeah, your coaching years. Yeah, and I don't keep up with them like I should. I just don't. But every, but a lot of times they'll come to town and call, or they'll come to town and come by the house, you know. And uh, But other than that, I, I, I just read about them. You know the biggest thing that's said about the players about you? What's that? He remembered me. Is that right? Yeah. He remembered me. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so-and-so 30 years ago. I was a second team running back, yeah. and I saw Coach Bowden, and he called me by name. Yeah, that, and, and that's and that's. I'm I'm so glad I've been able to do that most of the time. Every now and then I'll see one, and I'll wonder what the heck was his name? What was his name? You know, but that doesn't happen very often. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And the other thing I found uh, interesting is anytime I bring up a past ball game, you and I were talking before we sat down here about the. The eighty Nebraska game. Oh yeah, I, I can near about bring out any play. Yeah, and you remember it. One of my favorite. That's one of my favorite games of of my lifetime. Really, was the eighty Nebraska game. It'll be second down and twelve. A loss of two on that last play. Quinn rolling to the right wants to throw the ball. He does. It is intercepted by Keith Jones. Jones is inside Nebraska territory, and the Seminoles have a first down at the Nebraska forty-six. Great play by Jones. Because number one, we wasn't supposed to do it. Number two, we just got upset the week before by Miami when we went for two and didn't make it, remember? Yeah, because you wouldn't kick it. And that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then we started a center who had never played, you know, and we won that dadgum ball game. They, they had us 14 and nothing. I was looking at it the other day. 14 and nothing. We finally get three, and in the second half we shut them out kick four field goals and beat them. That's one of the biggest games in Florida State's history because at that time, people paid no attention to Florida State nationally. And after that game, you could sense it. Who in the world is this Florida State that beat Nebraska at Nebraska? Which back in those days, you don't beat them there. We had a pretty good game after that, if you'll remember as oh, well. Should we, yeah, beat the number two football team in the nation in Pitt. That Pitt team, Keith, is one of the best teams any of my teams ever lined up against. I, would agree. I think they had 18 guys that went into the pros, and uh, uh, they, were just, they were just a great, great football team. 
If you had to pin it down to one game, is it the Nebraska game in 80? I think it was probably the most important game in Florida State's history during my time because it did put us on the map. And uh, after that, we kind of got to feel, golly, if we can do that, you know, we one of these won us a national championship. I've seen uh, or I've read that you said 77 was your favorite season. Still is. Now, I, I, <laughs> is that because Keith Jones didn't play didn't that year? Because freshmen weren't eligible? I didn't play. <laughs> you came in that year, didn't you? <laughs> that was my favorite year because of this. I come to Florida State in 76. They had gone 0 and 11, 1 and 10, 3 and 8. They hadn't had a win, hadn't been to a bowl, hadn't won the games, hadn't beat Florida in 10 years. You know, and so my first year, 76, we had a losing year. But then the next year, which maybe we can be a little bit better, we won bowl games. Went to a bowl game, won the bowl game, ended up 14th in the nation. And that was kind of fun because there was no pressure. People were not expecting it, you know. And uh, that, that got us rolling. Uh, the one thing that I'll remind you that our listeners, older listeners, will remember, but most people have forgotten, is the balloons. You remember the balloons? Yeah. Oh, They'd yeah. They'd tie those balloons together. Oh, yeah. And they would stretch way up. Oh, yeah. We kicked at 7 o'clock at night with oh, those balloons yeah, and the lights. Yeah, it, it, yeah, It was a different time. And you know what happened to the balloons? Let me tell you what happened to the balloons. Uh, environmental is what I heard. Environmental. Uh, those balloons get up and these ducks choke on them. Maybe the ones my boys shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so we had, we had to stop the balloons. What are you most proud of as you look back at your time at FSU? I think the most proud the proud of is that we won we won 300 ball games at Florida State. Well, I was at Florida State. The only guy that ever did that was Joe Paterno at Penn State. And uh, being able to win that many games at one school, being able to coach there for 34 years, I think those are the things that I remember the most, you know, and a lot of wonderful people. I, I was able to work for so many wonderful athletic directors and presidents that we had at uh, Florida State. And then the kids, the boys you had, just fantastic boys. Plus you got your uh, singing career started with Bernie. <laughs> Yeah, somebody came up with the idea. We're going to get you and, and the president to sing a song, and we're going to get all the coaches in the country to do that, and we'll make us a million dollars selling this thing. Because we're Seminoles of FSU. Yes, we're Seminoles, and we want you. And so Bernie, all he did was hummed. I did all the dadgum singing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still waiting for the million bucks. And we're still waiting for the million bucks, right. Yeah, that never showed up. <laughs> a little bit of a walk down memory lane listening to Coach Bowden. Not a lot's changed. I mean, it's been several years since I've had conversation with him, but uh, well, still pretty th- sharp. The only thing is he, he, he can misremember. I think he mentioned the ducks or the reason for the balloons going away. It was really the birds in general. <laughs> but I think my bringing up the ducks prior kind of got him on that track. But... Uh, yeah, he he doesn't miss much, and he doesn't misremember much, and that that's an amazing, amazing thing for a man of his age and his uh, just life's experiences. Yeah, and we'll talk about more of those uh, life experiences, including, and this is interesting, conversation about uh, 1990, which Flor- was the time when Florida State was making the decision, SEC, ACC, and the conferences were offering or not offering, and uh, he'll share what uh, he recalls about that time when we come back on the front row. Oh, Maggie, I could. 
It's the Wakulla Report, a quick take on news and events in and around Wakulla. Brought to you locally by Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, and Crawfordville. If it's important to you, it's important to us. Congratulations to Wakulla High freshman Emery Bain, who was recently selected as a 6A honorable mention for Miracle Sports 2016 All-State Softball Team. On Saturday, August 13th, the Sop Choppy Volunteer Fire Department presents the 5th annual Sop Choppy Mud Run, a series of obstacles for individuals and teams stretched over a 5K trail. The fun starts at 9.30 a.m. at Sop Choppy Park. For details and to register, log on to SopChoppyMudRun.com. This has been the McCullough Report, brought to you by your friends at Prime Meridian Bank. Personal service, local decision-making, Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, or on the web at TryMyBank.com. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. Hey folks, Austin Hobson with Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Due to the huge success, Chevrolet is holding over new car specials through the 4th of July. Save up to $10,000 on a new 2015 Chevy Silverado. Save up to $7,500 on new Chevy Tahoes and Suburbans. At Hobson, we just make it easy. You'll always get more for your trade and the best deal the first time. Come in for our 4th of July blowout sale or check us out on the web at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your next Chevrolet the Hobson way. You're listening to The Front Row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at thefrontrow at 979espnradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. We continue our conversation with Coach Bowden here on The Front Row. We pick it up. He was just talking about a revered figure in Florida State history, uh, Bernie Sliger. Uh, loved by all, I think, ever associated with FSU. But this is interesting conversation about what Bobby recollects back from uh, circa 1990 when it was time for Florida State to join a conference. So we pick up the conversation there. Coach, you're talking about Bernie Sliger, who's uh, remembered so fondly by the entire university community for all that he did at FSU. I want to ask you, especially in today's landscape, where there's all this talk about conference realignment and teams jumping conferences and big news for the ACC with what just happened with an ACC network. What do you recall about 1990 when there was talk of Florida State getting into a conference, leaving independence behind, SEC, ACC, and it seemed like all point, all signs pointed to the SEC, but oh, yeah, at the end of the yeah. day, FSU wound up in the ACC, and here yeah. we are 25 years later. That's exactly right. We had an option. We can join the. We were we were invited by the SEC. Now remember, the S, we had applied for membership in the SEC for 30 years and been turned down every year. All of a sudden, they decided to expand and they wanted Florida State, and so they offered us to join their conference. Well, at the same time, the ACC asked us to join their conference, and they only wanted to take one team. We only want you, you know. And I remember trying to tell them, "Well, t- well get Miami." Get us and Miami, you know, because I got to play them anyway. I just soon have them where I know where they are. And uh, but they wouldn't do it. No, we just want y'all. The SEC. We want Florida State, but we also want Texas A&M or whoever else they were going to get. Right. You know. And uh, I think it was Arkansas at that time. It might, it might have been Arkansas at yeah. that time. But our relationship with the ACC was much closer. And there was more of our administration attached that had attachments to the ACC than the SEC. So we joined, and I think it's the right move. I was going to say, I think most of us would, would say that we could not have chosen better or they could not have picked 
better uh, yeah. than us entering. I think so. I think definitely. We we won conference championships for a long time, and we won two national championships during that time. And uh, I don't think we'd have done any better in the Southeastern Conference. I know one thing. It helped with scheduling. We got to have some home games. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah, finally. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you came in 76, you inherited, because Florida State was an independent. Yeah. Uh, you inherited... I'm amazed at 30 or 40 or 50 games that were already under contract because yeah, yeah. you had 11 contracts every year. Yeah. There were, there were no conferences. That's right. One of those was five consecutive years at Baton Rouge. Yeah. One of them was five consecutive weeks in 1981 on the road yeah. at Ohio state and whoever else. That's right. You always said you'd be willing to play anybody at any time and we'll go to their place if we need to. Yeah. Do you really believe that? Or, or was that just something you said in reaction well, to what it, was handed to it, you? It was something you were handed and you had no choice. So the best thing to do is try to make something optimistic out of it where your players would look forward to it instead of dread it. You know. But gosh, we had four with Nebraska away, five LSU away, two with Michigan away, and then one with Notre Dame away, and uh, three with Arizona State away. You know, so that looked like death, the death threat. But what it did, it made us, because we won a whole lot more of them than we lost. So did there's going to be two things on your uh, tombstone. At least he played Miami <laughs> and finally uh, some home games. <laughs> did, oh, that's about the truth. Did, did you take the job and then see that those opponents were lined up, or did you know before you came here that they were on the schedule? Good question. Took the job before I looked at it. Let me tell you how, <laughs> let me tell you my feelings when I came to Florida State. I'm up at West Virginia. We're, we're successful. We're going to bowl games and winning bowl games, you know. Florida State calls, and we want you to come down there. Did you know I came this close to not going? We had four children going to West Virginia University, and we don't want to leave our children, you know it? And at the last moment, Ann and I both agreed, let's go home. That's kind of what, let's just go home. So we went down there without looking at the schedule. <laughs> and when I got down there, the first thing I looked at, a 1981 schedule, and I said, we must be gone by then. I've got, I've got to be young. I can never, can't get through that. You and, know what? And, and that's when you almost went to LSU. Is that 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 happened after four years? My fourth year here, we were undefeated. Played, played in the uh, Orange Bowl against Oklahoma, and then then uh, LSU offered me the job there at LSU, and that's a, that's a funny story because Ann and I we were undefeated. Mm -hmm. They were about five, two, and one, or something like that. So they're not having a great year, but we are. And so and I decided, look, if we go, we're going to go to LSU and play them there. If they beat us, we're going to go to LSU because it's a better job. Now, if I beat them, well, gosh, we'll just stay here. You know, we, we, we're going to do as good here. And we did beat them by seven points since I came back and signed a five-year contract, Florida State. And, and here we are all these years later, and people are worried that the football coach at FSU, Jimbo Fisher, might go to LSU. Yeah, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? I thought, <laughs> We're I thought, having the same discussion I, I, on is it a better job. <laughs> I thought about the same thing last year when his name kept popping up on that thing, you know. But I think Jimbo has got this job in pretty doggone good shape. I mean, it, it'd be hard for him to better himself, you know what? 
I think he's got a great job. Last thing about the scheduling, Coach, the book, whoever wrote it, I want to meet the guy that wrote that book. I've not met him yet. Which one? Whichever book it is that everybody <laughs> quotes. <laughs> you know, you make your best improvement from game one to game two. However, in today's environment, you see so many national teams playing a top-ranked opponent in the kickoff. Your first, and it was a kickoff classic, I think, was at the Meadowlands? Yep, two times. Yep. And, and usually you didn't want to play that strong of opponent in your opening game because yeah. you wanted your kids to get acclimated and everything. Well, now, every other year, two out of every three years, you're playing an opening game against an opponent. And the coaches are now saying, we like those because it keeps your players' attention uh -huh. during mat drills yeah. and spring practice, yeah, sure. summer workouts. Yeah. That's evolved. That's, yeah. that's a change in yeah. the game over yeah. the last a couple, three decades. Yeah, that's a good sign. I, that's one thing about it. When you had a great opponent, a good opponent, then you don't have any trouble keeping your attention on the boys. You know, if you're opening with somebody and you're favored four touchdowns, that is hard to keep those kids. They, oh, yeah, we, oh, we'll walk out there and beat them. Oh, I don't have to be in as good a shape, you know. And uh, so I think opening with a good, you might as well find out what you got. You know what? If you if you play a weak schedule, you might you might play five games before you find you really ain't very good. I hate to bring this up, but I'm going to one here. You're talking about opening with a, a significant opponent. One year you opened with Miami, and it was 31 nothing Miami. That was oh, my first year at FSU. Oh man! And the Seminole rap existed for about three weeks, and then it disappeared. Except never, never to be seen again. Certainly in this part of the state, maybe down in South Florida and Coral Gables. They're probably still playing it down there. <laughs> <laughs>
you know, and so, so I called timeout, and we went for two, and we missed it. And I went in the locker room and apologized. I said, boys, I apologize to you. I said, I should have. They said, oh, no, oh, no, you did the right thing. So that was that one. Hey, but then six or seven years later, one of the greatest wins that was actually a tie was the FSU Florida game where you did kick the extra point at the end. Wasn't that something? Against the blitz. Touchdown, Florida State. Rock Preston scores the touchdown. My thinking that day, they had us 31-3 to with 10 minutes to go. And I'm thinking about, what am I going to tell? I was thinking of excuses already to tell the press, <laughs> you know, why we got beat on our home field. And, uh, but the funny thing is, at the halftime, they had us 24-3. to I told the kids, man, we got, got to kick off to them. We got to take the ball away from them and score and get back in this ball game. So we go out there and kick off, and they, they drive 80 yards for another touchdown. So it's 31 to 3. <laughs> then we score and score, and old Steve just keeps throwing the darn thing. All he had to do is sit on it and win a game. So anyway, it was are you going to go for the tie? Yes, because we have come too far to take a chance on losing the game. If, we, if, I'd, have, if I'd have gone for it and didn't make it, That'd been just another blowout of Florida, you know, as far as people concerned, it'd be another another defeat by Florida. But I'll tie this thing up. You know, we came back to the thirty eight yard line and didn't time it in. Had the ball when time was running out. Yeah. Might have been yeah. five consecutive yeah. scores. Yeah. That's amazing looking back at that. You can appreciate as much as anybody, even though you didn't go to school at FSU, but you were here in the 60s with Coach Pete. Yeah. And I think, I don't have the series record in front of me, but I think when you took the head job, FSU only had two wins over Florida in That's its history. That's about right. That's about and, right. And since 1976, present day, uh, it's fairly, even FSU might have a slight edge if yeah. you just factor yeah. it in 76. Yeah. Boy, Jimbo's got a tremendous record against Florida and Miami. It's, it's unbelievable. Uh, of course, when we played them, it was game of the century. <laughs> well, and when you were hired, yeah. Uh, you, yeah. you were told there were two games that were important. One very important. Yeah. And one a little less important. Yeah. yeah. And you were told, I'm told, that you beat those two, you yeah. keep your job for a long time. That, that, that was Florida and that, Miami. That was, that was key. You, you win the state championship, we'll keep you around for a while. We lost to Florida my first year, and it was on the goal line at the end of the game and didn't get in. They they beat us seven, but we won the next four. That was my group. That was your group. I Back have a little T-shirt that says, oh, I never oh, lost to Florida. And that's something. That was a, that was a great group of kids. Ooh, boy. Interesting, uh, as you look back and reflect on the way things uh, shook out, Keith, uh, you know, you made a comment that, and, and Bobby agreed, that I don't think anybody would second-guess the ACC decision. Uh, I think in light of the ACC network news that came a couple weeks ago, maybe that's the case, but there certainly has been a, a lot of folks that would have preferred FSU and the SEC over the years. I think when you sit down and do the numbers on it, though, I, I don't think you can argue a ton. I think the numbers speak for themselves, but I'll go back to the bigger picture, and, and you know, people don't like talking about this per se but when when florida state went into the acc they were the big fish and 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 they kind of brought everybody up with them you know we've talked about alabama four national titles in the last seven years and they've kind of drugged the rest of the acc though sec's been very good everybody else still competing with alabama well when florida state came into the league from a football standpoint everybody had to raise their program and that's why we sit here now 25 years after the fact with Clemson and North Carolina, Virginia Tech with a new coach, and Miami resurgence with Mark Rick. And, and the whole conference was better 
because Florida State brought everybody else with them. Well, and if you look back at that quarter century since FSU joined the ACC in 92 in terms of competition, Alabama won the national title that year. And so since 92, Alabama's won five titles. Florida State's won three. Florida's won three. And I think Nebraska's won three. And then after that, you drop down a tier, Ohio State and LSU with two. I mean, so you look at the last quarter century, it's hard to find fault with something that puts you tied for second in terms of national titles. Plus, I think positioning-wise, as you go into 2020 and beyond, um, you know, everybody, uh, ACC included, is going to benefit from, uh, you know, the realignment. And, and it's just going to be exciting to see what happens. All right, more of that conversation with Coach Bobby Bowden comes up on uh, next week's show. Uh, and and uh, I won't spill the beans on that now, but you, you'll enjoy that too. We'll, we'll come back and wrap up this week's show right after this. It's the Wakulla Report, a quick take on news and events in and around Wakulla. Brought to you locally by Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, and Crawfordville. If it's important to you, it's important to us. Congratulations to Wakulla High freshman Emery Bain, who was recently selected as a 6A honorable mention for Miracle Sports 2016 All-State Softball Team. On Saturday, August 13th, the Sop Choppy Volunteer Fire Department presents the 5th Annual Sop Choppy Mud Run, a series of obstacles for individuals and teams stretched over a 5K trail. The fun starts at 9.30 a.m. at Sop Choppy Park. For details and to register, log on to SopChoppyMudRun.com. This has been the McCullough Report, brought to you by your friends at Prime Meridian Bank. Personal service, local decision-making, Prime Meridian Bank, Tallahassee, Crawfordville, or on the web at TryMyBank.com. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. The weather's hot and the deals are hot in Cairo, Georgia. I'm Bob Hobson. If you're looking for a great deal on a new or used car, truck, or SUV, it's at Hobson Chevrolet Buick in Cairo, Georgia. Pick out your vehicle, we'll appraise your trade-in. With 0% available and up to $10,000 in discounts, we just make it easy. No games here. Come by and see us or check us out at HobsonChevrolet.com. Buy your new Chevrolet the Hobson way. July special on any new or used truck. Get a free bedliner. Come by and see us. You're listening to The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at thefrontrow at 979espnradio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Some parting thoughts on The Front Row, Keith. I think we, uh, you and I could clearly, over adult beverages, have a lot of discussions about and react to what Bobby just said. But uh, in the sake of uh, brevity, we don't have that much time. But I... Two-point conversions, I don't know that, you know, I'm well aware of the Florida State history. I hadn't processed that. That's a pretty big part of his legacy, too, over to, the to years. To kick or not to kick. To kick or not so, to kick, so a better way to put two it. Two-point conversions versus extra points. And, of course, we know about wide right one and wide right two and all that on field goals. I mean, we, I think people don't understand how big the kicking component was in, in Coach Bowden's career. And depending on who you talk to and how you break it down, you know, if we tie Miami in 80 – and then play Oklahoma, and they don't get a two-point conversion, there's a split national title. Florida State's first national championship would have been 1980. And, of course, the choke at Doak where they, they determined to go for 
the the extra point as opposed mm-hmm. to going for two. Uh, he talks about uh, 87, 87 uh, in the Miami game. And, of course, that led to 88 with the massacre, you know, with the rap video and all that. I mean, kicking – component has been a very big part of Bobby's career. Which is why it's a little ironic that as you watch NFL football this fall, there's going to be four starting kickers that went to Florida State kicking in the National Football League. Next week, uh, as we continue our conversation with Coach, he'll, he'll talk a little bit about his relationship with Jimbo. Uh, he even refers to Jimbo as, as sort of another son. A Bowden boy. Yeah, at one point in the conversation because how much time they spent together at his uh, uh, football academy or quarterback academy. Anyway, uh, good stuff. And I hope you enjoyed it and hope you uh, tune in next week to, to listen to that as well. Keith, anything else for the Good of the Order? Good of the Order's done. Good of the Order's done. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for listening. We do this each and every Wednesday right here at 6. So long. Hi, I'm Steve Sheridan, one of the owners and instructors with Arsenal Martial Arts. I wanted to invite you to our new facility at 2706 North Monroe, across from Sonny's Barbecue, where we have classes for adults and children in Kempo Karate, Boxing, Judo, Capoeira, Kickboxing, and Fortress Fighting. So come by 2706 North Monroe or call 386-7279 and see why we are the choice of Tallahassee families when it comes to exceeding their fitness and self-defense expectations. You can also find us at tallymartialarts.com. Until then, stay safe. Arsenal Martial Arts, 386 7279. It's time to meet Firehouse Subs. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Robin. We're brothers and former firefighters. After being firemen, we wanted to keep working together, so we settled on one thing firefighters know a lot about eating. Something good and a lot of it. Take our hook and ladder sub. It's piled high with premium smoked turkey breast and sweet Virginia honey ham. Take one bite. Our way beats their way. If you don't agree, it's free. Firehouse Subs, founded by firemen. Firehousesubs.com. Can you feel the days getting warmer, the sun getting higher in the sky? You know what that means. It's time for baseball. If you want to be the best, it takes hard work, dedication, and focus. Next Level Baseball is the place to be. Their instructors will push you past your expectations and make you as good as you want to be. Whether your goal is to be in the pros, college, or even to make your high school team, Next Level will help you improve toward achieving your goal. Call them today at 850-765-0300. Or stop by the indoor cages at 1460 Market Street, Suite 4 in Tallahassee. Reach higher at Next Level Baseball. Hi, I'm Steve Sheridan, one of the owners and instructors with Arsenal Martial Arts. I wanted to invite you to our new facility at 2706 North Monroe, across from Sonny's Barbecue, where we have classes for adults and children in Kempo Karate, Boxing, Judo, Capoeira, Kickboxing, and Fortress Fighting. So come by 2706 North Monroe or call 386-7279 and see why we are the choice of Tallahassee families when it comes to exceeding their fitness and self-defense expectations. You can also find us at tallymartialarts.com. Until then, stay safe. Arsenal Martial Arts, 386 7279. Could Zaxby's Spicy Honey Barbecue Sauce be so good it will change your life? Ryan from Georgia drips sauce on his shirt and then met the woman of his dreams at the dry cleaners. Leslie in South Carolina noticed the sauce left an image of Attila the Hun on a napkin and sold it for several thousand dollars. So there you have it. Life-changing? Maybe. Indescribably good? Definitely. The boneless wings meal with spicy honey barbecue sauce. Served with crinkle fries and a small drink. A great sauce for great fans. Zaxby's. Indescribably good. 
Play It Again Sports makes it their business to know about your community, the local sports schedules, and your child's sports needs. And don't be fooled. Bigger stores don't always mean better selection or better prices. At Play It Again Sports, you can choose from new or quality used sports and fitness equipment and from a large selection of some of the top name brands out there. Nike, Reebok, Under Armour, Easton, and many others. Plus, at Play It Again Sports, you can sell those sports and fitness items you no longer need for cash on the spot. A store that fits your needs and your budget. That's Play It Again Sports. Broadcasting live from the Dale Earnhardt Jr. Buick GMC Cadillac Studios. This is 97.9 ESPN Radio. WTSM, Woodville, Thomasville, Tallahassee.